there and writing the hashtag, what is your story on your sidewalks and on your driveways. And we saw a lot of you guys did that. And that's so awesome. We think that's really exciting. We want to get a lot of people, uh, new people to come to the church, to come to know Christ. That is the ultimate goal for every person that we know, every person that we pass, that they would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Like we have that gift ourselves. So we have this week, we did chalk last week, this week we have signs that you guys can take and put in your yards. They're blue signs, are out front, and they say, hashtag, what is your story? They have the name of our church and service times on there so people can see, what does that mean? Grace Chapel, okay, as they're driving past. So if you guys, while you're posting on social media, if you tag us as a church as well, people will be able to go, I'm seeing this on like, sidewalks and I'm driving around Mason and I'm seeing these signs and if they see it on social media they'll see Grace Chapel as well so it'll all kind of tie in together if you're not a social media person you're like what is hashtag what does that mean pound sign you're crazy then that's okay the yard sign that's for you you get the yard sign that's your job so um, we're really excited about this upcoming sermon series we have some of our posters up we're starting next week we have a little a little set outside, a little teaser of what's going to be happening next week. So we're really excited for this uh, for this next series. Awesome. Hey, all right, family, a little family meeting here. A couple of things I need to, to go over before we kind of move on. Um, life groups, you've signed up. We've had about 100 different people um, sign up to be involved in life groups. Um, new, new people sign up to be involved in life groups. This is really, really great. And, uh, we've been going through all of those and trying to figure out what you, you put your best time down, the best, best day down. So Emily has been going through that and trying to figure out who would best fit in each group. And we'll be getting in contact with you this coming week to let you know, well, here's, and you can go to any group you'd like to go to. We'll have those out so you can see what groups are available. Um, but we're just going to try to plug everyone in the best that we can. And you can try out that group. And if it's not the perfect group, you can try another group but this week we'll be getting in touch with everybody so if you filled it out and said hey no one called me this week is the week that we're going to call you that's number one okay number two um carpet in the sanctuary someone has generously donated about forty thousand dollars um to start the renovations of this building the whole renovations the bathrooms the inside of this building we're going to do it in, in pieces so the first thing we're going to do in the next month or so, we're going to order the carpet this week if we can, is re-carpet this whole entire sanctuary. It, this carpet has been a good old friend for a long time, but it's like, like someone who stayed too long, it's time for him to go. So, um, so we're going to replace the carpet with a much nicer carpet. doesn't show all your coffee stains. We want you to bring your coffee in, but be a little coordinated, okay? Um, so we're going, to, we're going to get carpet. Since you're not coordinated, we're going to get carpet to make sure we fix it for you. Uh, so you can continue to bring your donuts and coffee in here, but that's coming. The other thing is, um, and I'm probably going to need a little help on this one because I'd like to stretch this 40,000 to encompass some of the things I'm talking about. Um, if you've noticed, if you have children, our, our children's classrooms are packed. They're, they're over, there's too many kids in them. So right behind this wall, the hall, we're going to actually build a hallway and put classrooms on the other side of this wall, add to the classroom space. We need more classroom space. Ultimately, we have another space in the Grace Impact Center the size of a soccer field and four stories tall in some areas where we're going to build a children's wing and a school of the arts. That's down the road. We don't want to do that now. We don't need it right now, but we are growing and we do need children's classrooms. So we're going to use some of the money for that 
to build those children's classrooms. So if you've been saying, hey, there's too many kids in the rooms, we know that we're on top of it. And so over the next over the next couple of weeks, we're going to build some classrooms back here where we can spread things out a little bit and make it a little easier. So that's the second thing I want to talk to you about. And if you can maybe when we remember, we did the hive. We got in there and tore it all out and did it. We did that with sweat equity. OK, the way you the way you spread that kind of money out is you do a lot of the work yourself. So if you'd like to help, please contact me and we'll set up a, a maybe a couple weekends. We can go in there and get the whole thing done. Um, what else? Uh, giving. Uh, giving has been really good. We've been solid in giving, but our high school ministry has doubled. Our junior high ministry has doubled. Our children's ministry is busting at the seams. And so all of that costs more when the church grows and different ministries grow. So if you would, please, if you have not been participating in tithing, I, I ask if you would to pray about that because the church is growing in different areas of ministry and we need to continue to keep up with that. So we're not behind. We're just not keeping up with the growth. And so we need to be aware of that. Uh, one last really exciting update. I'm going to ask Daniel to come up here. Daniel is the director of Back to Back in Nigeria. And uh, I want him to share um, some exciting things that are kind of happening with, with Nigeria. And here, you can use this mic right here. Uh, good morning, all. I am so, so excited to be in Grace Chapel again. <laughs> this church is truly a Grace Chapel, okay? Um, you guys have been grateful to us in Nigeria precisely. Like he said, my name is Daniel Asama. I'm married to Evelyn. Um, you, have, you have to be praying with me about Evelyn. I hope that sometime she will join me come. Uh, she's going to the embassy sometime this week for a visa. Sometimes it's very difficult. I'm here particularly to update you about the project that you and us have been involved about. We have been doing a project in a village called Kisagib, which this church has been supporting this amazing project. We had a project that we call the Farmers Progressive Project. This is to enhance the farming system of the farmers in the village. Those of you who have been in the village, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a village stricken by poverty, not because the village is not endowed or blessed, but because the people are not being able to convert these blessings into what could sustain them. So self-sustaining enterprises and back-to-back -back are doing a lot of simple, small projects that will enhance the farming system of the community. We believe strongly that from the farming in that village, people could sustain their lives. People could make a living from just farming. But something has been happening. Satan has been drifting people away from the fact that they need to do farming. And they are not looking at farming as if it's very noble. They don't think it is something they could necessarily make money out of. But we have been creating small platforms to make farmers see reasons in doing the farming, especially the younger ones. So we have a project we're doing in the village. Today we have about four solid farmers that I'm sure of that have been cultivating a piece of land of maybe one acre each. And all of these farmers, the four of those farmers, are getting fertilizer supply from the money we have from them. And they're also having seedlings. And then we also send professionals to monitor their farming and make sure they are doing the farming in the right way. All this is happening because Grace Chapel gave. We are so grateful because these farmers, by the end of this season, I so believe that their harvest is going to be more, 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 far more than what they have been harvesting, at least for those four that we have started with. In that regard, we also identify a project that we want to do. This project is something I have been 
crying and, and, and hoping that God will open a way someday that will be able to bring this project to light. The piece of land that we are having in that place is more than, it's about 50 to 60 acres. We in that place see this as a blessing because to have a piece of land of that size in that particular area, it's a blessing. So we want to convert some of it into a very productive place. We have this widow we know for long. Her name is Julie. Julie is an amazing widow who has seven children and she has been a very great entrepreneur. She does farming as, uh, professionally. And again, we also know that she is not just a widow, but a widow who fears the Lord and she is making impact. She's making difference in other widows around the village. So we want to invest in this woman by enhancing the farming system she's doing. She is having a small nursery that she's growing trees and flowers, and she sells those to make a living. Out of a very small nursery, maybe this size, this church is maybe four times the size of her nursery, but she grew trees there and flowers that was able to support two of her children through to university. It was an amazing, amazing thing. So we want to build into this woman and see how we can grow into this project and make it bigger. We are intending to give her maybe six or five acres of our piece of land and have her grow more trees maybe even fruits, and have her grow more flowers that she could be able to sell to make a living, and also to empower other women who are precisely, uh, we want to focus on the widows in the village to make sure they are able to understand this farming project and how they can do it and how we can enhance our living and make a living better for them. Because widows in our place are vulnerable. They are very vulnerable. And we know that they are the mothers of the orphans that we work with. Right. And we think if we do that, it will make a difference. Right. Because of that, this church has gracefully given into that project again. And then we have trees. Yeah, we have a, the swap wall back here. Yeah. I mean, swap means sacrificing with a purpose. It means giving up something you want to make sure someone else has something they need. So you may give up a meal today or this week or something. And we have uh, about 100 cards back there with trees on there. They're $40 a piece. And these are really great fruit trees, uh, cocoa trees, um, all kinds of nut trees. We're, she'll grow those, right? And she'll Very plant well. flowers yes. and different shrubs mm-hmm. to, to sell to people for their landscaping. So, yeah, what we want to do is we, we do have a borehole. Someone has donated the money for a borehole. So she'll have water on the five-acre piece of land that we're, we're leasing to her. And then we need to fill that up with trees. She has no money for the trees. But if, she, if we give her the borehole and we give her the trees, she can maintain it. How many people has she hired right now? She has, she has four. Four in that tiny little space. Yes, including herself. It right. It's five now. So five. Yes. Five people. So we give her five acres yes. and she expands it. We're probably going to quadruple that amount of people who are we working so. for her. So. And it's always... I love you guys, but it's always better to give the money to the women in some, in some cultures because the guys get the money and they don't do much with it. The women get the money and take care of their seven kids and five other widows and their seven kids. And This right. is so sure. This is so real. In Africa, especially from where I come from, I'm sorry, men, but men do little to keep their families. <laughs> Women do most of it to keep their families, economically and home front. The government, even in my country, believe that if you empower a woman, you empower a whole generation. But if you empower a man, you empower a person. Hmm. So because of that, we want to look into this woman and see how we can empower her into doing right. this thing in a more grateful way. Excellent. Thank you so much. This woman's already an incredible entrepreneur. We're not, you know, she's already proven herself. All we're going to do is say, hey, you've proven yourself. Now we're going to give you more, you know, 
ten times the amount of land. We'll build you a borehole. It's already taken care of. So let's wipe out the trees back there and plant an entire you know, orchard for her. And then she'll plant the flowers and do her thing. And we'll have transformed. This will literally transform the lives of hundreds of people if we do this. Um, And it's not going to cost us that much, but we'd like to raise the money to do that project. We'd like to get it this month, give her the resources and get that moving. Let me say a quick prayer for us. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you, Lord God, for Daniel and the work he's doing there in Nigeria with the rest of the staff. We just pray, dear God, that our hearts would continue to be on fire for making a difference in the lives of people, not in our own, just in our own community, but around the world. We pray, Lord, you put it on our hearts to continue to give of the resources that we have so that we can impact lives for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. All right. That's exciting. All right. So this morning, this morning, as we close out one series, okay, Forgotten Virtues, and we prepare for the next series, My Story, I want to focus on the virtue, okay, the virtue of balance. So some of you are thinking right now, wait a second, balance is not a virtue. Well, I beg to differ. Listen to uh, listen to Solomon's instructions to his son in Proverbs chapter four, verses 23 through 27. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and and be steadfast in all of your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. In these verses, Solomon urges his son to be careful to guard his heart. And because his heart is the seat, biblically, of his emotions and his will. Emotions and will. He says, guard your heart. Because it's from our heart that we tell our story. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Our story. My story. Living out my story. But it's from your heart. And we all know this. That our story is told. So he's told here to fix his attention singularly on on the the one correct goal and pursue it pursue set a path straight pursuit toward that one particular goal that god has god wants us on a straight path he doesn't want us veering off all over the place getting lost that's what happens our story is kind of muffled because we get lost and god is saying no solomon is saying to his son there's a singular correct goal i want you to pursue it Go straight after it. That one goal. The only correct goal for your life is God's goal for your life. We need to understand that. The only correct goal that each one of us should have for our lives is God's goal for our lives. He he says he wants him to reject any influence that causes him to be unbalanced. Solomon says, reject any kind of influence that takes you in any direction that causes you to be unbalanced. It takes you off course. And then he's told, he's told here in the scripture, he says, give careful thought, which means in some translations says to ponder, to ponder, literally to make your path even or straight, make it even or straight. Stay within the boundaries Solomon says to his son, God gives you specific instructions on how to live your life. You need to focus your attention on those specific instructions. Any obstacle, he's telling him, whether it's a wall or whether it's a pitfall, whatever it is, any obstacle that you come in contact with, you have to attack it. 
You have to challenge it. You need to overcome it. You need to confront it and can never use that wall. And listen here, this is important. You can never use that wall that maybe has been placed in front of you, that ceiling that you think you have over your head, that pitfall that you've been involved in. You, maybe you've fallen into a pit in some, at some point in your life, a pitfall or a mountain that you were having trouble overcoming. Whatever it is, your past, he says, you can never use that as an excuse, an excuse to turn aside from your assigned path. And your assigned path is clearly laid out in the word of God. That's what Solomon is telling his son. It's clearly laid out for you. Do not deviate from this path. All your steps, all your choices need to be in harmony with the purposes of God for your life. Every single one. Any deviation to the right or to the left is evil, he says. I love the Bible. It doesn't, you know, people love to turn things into gray areas. Oh, that's a gray area. Oh, that's a gray area. And they, you know, oh, let's give into this. And, and the Bible is very clear. And Solomon is very clear. Do not turn to the right. Do not turn to the left because those are evil. Stay focused on what God has called you to do. Balance. Okay. Balance is that Christ-like straightness or steadfastness that fights the, all the influence to turn, to turn from the right path. So you're in school, right? You know what you've been taught. You, you know what? The word of God is written on your hearts. Even if you've never read the Bible, the Bible says that the, the, the truth, the word of God is written on your hearts. You know what's right, especially because you've been taught. You've read. And so you go to school and, you know, you have, you have influence from your peers. And they're pushing, they're trying to push you off the straight path, off the even path, off the balanced path. They're trying to push you off and say, no, go to the right or go to the left. Let's go over here. Let's go over there. And what, what, what Solomon is saying, you need to fight every inclination, every pressure that is being put on you at work or at school, by the culture, whatever it is. Whatever it, whatever it may be. Maybe it's your personal weaknesses. You have some, everyone has besetting sins. Some people struggle with lying. Some people struggle with alcohol. Some people struggle with this or some, whatever it is. We all have these besetting sins and each person struggles in a different area of their lives. And what Solomon is saying is, you know what? Even that you need to fight against that influence that comes from within that sinful nature that's still hanging around in your life, even though you've given your life to Christ, it comes back sometimes and tries to pull you to the left or pull you to the right. And Solomon is saying, keep your focus. See, it, it balances the characteristic of righteousness that refuses, listen, to be tempted, that refuses to be intimidated, that refuses to be bullied into deviating from the course, from the assigned course. That we've been, we've been given by God. So balance is biblical. Balance is very, very biblical. It recognizes error and excess in either direction. As you're walking the way God has called you to walk, your balance, that, that biblical balance recognizes any error or any excess, whether it's to the right or to the left, whatever, whatever extreme it may be. So it's, so it's, it's a godly virtue. And we see it, honestly, in the nature of God himself. We see it in God's nature. God, think about it. God is perfect in his judgment, right? He's perfect in his judgment. And this is where even Christians get off. They say, well, God is a judge. And they forget about the love. But God is perfect in his judgment. But you know what else? He's perfect in his love. 
So he's perfect in his just in his, in his judgment and he's perfect in his love. He's pure and just. Yet in Psalm 136 in verse 1, it says that his mercy endures forever. Because he has he has this perfect balance. He has this perfect pure balance. Next week the series begins um, my story, living the story that that you want to tell. You know, sometimes right now, if you were stopped right now, you may say, you know, I'm not really, really living the story that I want to pass on, that, that, I, that, I, that I want to tell. But we want to be able to do that, but we can't do that without the spiritual virtue of balance. It is a spiritual virtue. And it is, honestly, we talk about forgotten virtues. This one's being lost. We're being pulled in every direction. Everybody has their own opinion of what they think is right and wrong and different morality and everything. I'm not talking about outside the church. I'm talking within the church. But there's only one. There's only, there's only, there's only one truth. And that's God's truth. And God says we have to have that virtue of balance. Staying focused on what God calls us to do and who God calls us to be. He's laid out these specific guidelines. Do you remember when you were, when you were younger, um, uh, you were told to color, right? They, your parents sat you down at a table, a little table, and they give you a coloring book and they, and they gave you crayons and your, your job was to color the best you could that particular coloring book, that picture. For the most part, most of our, our coloring, you have the picture, put it up there. Most of our coloring in the be- very beginning kind of looked like this, right? So that, that's what it looked like. For, for the most part, you know, you put, your, you put the picture down and you tell your, your child to color and that's what it kind of looks like. You know, the elephants are green and the tigers are purple and it doesn't matter. It's, it's kind of haphazard and they scribble all over the paper. And as you get older, though, you got better and better at really becoming, you became better at coloring and staying within the lines and coloring your animals so they were more realistic. You know, you looked and you said, oh, the tiger, you looked at a picture of a tiger and you got your orange out and you kind of started doing, and so the tiger looked like a tiger and the elephant looked more like an elephant. And so it became more realistic and you stayed within the lines. And see, God gives us guidelines. And he wants us to stay within as in, in sometimes he gives us specific guidelines and he says, I want you to stay within these guidelines. I want you to focus and stay within these guidelines. And when we don't stay within the guidelines, our lives are pretty messy. Okay. So God says, no, here's, 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 I've laid this out. I, I'm telling you exactly how I want you to live your life in this area. Okay, I want you to stay within these guidelines. Why? Because if you don't stay within these guidelines, your life is going to be a mess. I created you. I created everything. I know how it works. If you step outside of what I created you to do, your life is going to be a mess. He tells us not to lie, right? And not to steal. To consider other people better than ourselves. He lays all that out. We have, that's why we have the Ten Commandments. But when we choose to disobey... When we choose by our own hearts to walk outside of those that that if you will that right path, we can make a mess. Think about it. We can make a mess of our own lives. But not only do we make a mess of our own lives, we make a mess of the lives of the people around us. Think about this. God says, "Hey, in this category, I want you to stay within the. I'm giving you this piece of paper. On this piece of paper are written specific guidelines. Here's how I want you to live your life." In these specific guidelines, stay within the boundaries. You don't stay within the boundaries and your life becomes a jumbled mess. 
And not only does your life become a jumbled mess, but the people around you, their lives become a jumbled mess as well. See, coloring outside the lines when it's a coloring book is kind of fun. It's, it's awesome. I mean, you, you don't tell your kids, hey, wait a second, that's terrible. I'm just using it as an analogy, all right? So coloring outside the lines in a coloring book, it's, it's kind of fun. It's, 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 it is a lot of fun. You don't care when your kids do that. But coloring outside the lines in real life isn't fun. It causes a lot of pain. Think about, think about a job or um, maybe a, 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 specific, a specific trade. Okay? Um, if, you're, if you're an accountant, don't color outside the lines. Oh, I'm close enough, right? Oh, so what? The numbers are a little off. You know what I mean? An extra zero. What does that matter? Come on. Right? Right? Creative accounting. You go to jail for that. All right? You go, how many of these huge companies did creative accounting and, and people lost people? People lost millions of dollars of their money. If you're a surveyor, that's not going to do it. Okay? You can't just stand there, put your foot there. Hey, put your foot down there and see if my, our feet line up. You know what I mean? If you're a surveyor, don't color outside the lines. Get the machinery out, hook it up right. Hey, the pro- our property line's close enough. You mow this way, I'll mow that way. It'd be fine. It'll all work out. It doesn't work that way. It works that way in life and morality as well. If you're married, don't color outside the lines. Right? If you're married, don't color outside of the lines. How does that affect your life? It affects your life in profound ways. Not only your life, the life of another person, the life of maybe a whole bunch of kids, and the life of families that are involved. When you're married, if you're, if you're, if you're living out, coloring outside of the lines, things are going to go terribly wrong. There are rules and there are laws in place that God wants us to live by that govern our lives. And when we disobey those laws, we suffer the consequences of st- Stepping outside of those lines. Hey, let, me, let me give you the kind of the bottom line for this one. You cannot, okay, you, you cannot have a balanced life. You cannot truly have a balanced life if you're living in opposition to God's truth. If you're choosing to live in opposition to God's truth, you cannot have the virtue of balance in your life. And if you cannot have the virtue of balance in your life, then the story you're going to tell, the story you're going to write is not going to be a good one. It's not going to be a legacy that you choose to share with other people. You're going to have to leave gaping holes in your story because you're not going to want anybody to know how you, you know, in this, this area of your life, unless later on as you, as you grow in your relationship with Christ, you can use that to show them. But that's not how we want to live our lives. We want to live our lives the best that we can live. But we can't do that if we're stepping outside of the boundaries, if we don't have balance in our lives. See, I don't think any of us want to live lives that look like that picture, right? You don't want your life. No, I don't think anyone here wants their life, their life to be a total mess. That's why the Bible says, stay within the boundaries. Stay within the boundaries that God has put in place. In Psalm chapter, uh, chapter 19, verses 7 through 11, it reminds us, listen, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than, than, than they are than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. 
Moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping them. There is great reward. See, if we follow the path that God lays out for our lives, then we're going to be blessed. That's what that passage is saying. God, the God in heaven, he's not a cosmic killjoy. He doesn't tell us thou shalt not because, oh man, it takes away all your fun. He tells you, don't do this because here are the consequences. This path leads down that pit. This path leads into a wall that you're never going to be able to overcome and it's going to fall on top of you if you try to climb it. God knows what's going to happen. And he's saying, there are boundaries that I've set up for you. Why? Because I love you that much. You live in a fallen world. If you play this game, you're going to pay a heavy, heavy price. A heavy price. Think about it. Think about this. There are people in your life, okay, that have stepped outside of the boundaries, that have lived their lives just the way they choose to live it, that have drawn outside of the lines and whatever else. And because they chose to live their lives that way, you have paid a heavy price, right? You tell me your story as a child, okay, of your abuse, your physical abuse, your emotional abuse, the things that were done to you, the things that were said to you, whatever else. And I will show you a person who has lived outside of the boundaries that God laid out for us. And not only have they affected their own lives and destroyed their own lives, you are still struggling with their choices. You can overcome it. God can give you the power to do it. I'm just pointing out it's a struggle. It's not easy. It's very difficult. Not because you made a choice, but because someone else made a choice. And God knows that. And he's saying, hey, it's going to hurt you. And it's also going to inflict a lot of pain and punishment on other people who don't deserve it. Adam and Eve are a perfect example. They stepped outside of God's boundaries. He laid out for them and basically, and they, they messed up. They, they made a mess of the entire world. Jonah stepped outside the bounds that God, God said, don't do this. He said, go to Nineveh. I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah says, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm going to go flee to Tarshish. He goes to Tarshish and basically gets on a boat. They throw him overboard. Well, it's a long story. And he gets swallowed by a giant fish. And the fish vomits him on bon land. You want to talk about messy? That's really messy, right? You go the wrong direction and it would vomit all over you. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you feel like you're, you've been vomited up on shore right now in your life. You're saying, man, those were the wrong choices, the wrong decisions. And I just feel like I've just been vomited up. David, David lives in according to God's guidelines. Incredible. David steps outside the boundaries, right? You know what I'm talking about? Bathsheba. His life is a mess. Samson, exact same thing. Every time we disobey God, our lives become one big mess. Now, here's a key I want you to take and I want you to hold on to. And I don't want you to forget this, not just this morning, but I want you to keep it in your mind. Okay, keep this in your mind. When my life is a mess, I cannot do the things that God created me to do. Think about that. You say, oh, man, you get up here and say, you can't do this, can't do that. When your life, think about this, when your life's a mess, when your marriage is a mess, when your family relationship, your kids are a mess, when your, when your alcoholism's consumed you and the drug abuse and the, 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 your anger, you can't overcome your anger and you're lashing out and you're abusing other people with you verbally or physically and your life's a mess. When your, I don't care, you, you, you pick the thing. When your life's a mess, you cannot do what God has created you to do. Again, that's why he's saying, 
Don't go outside the boundaries. I need you to do the things I've created you to do. Don't step outside those boundaries. See, if you step outside the boundaries, the story you're writing now is not worth telling. And no one else, when you're gone, no one else is going to want to tell it either. Just kind of forget about it. I have relatives in my family who are now passed away. And honestly, not, people in the family don't really talk about them because there isn't much to say. There isn't many good things to say. They're used as examples of what not to do, what not to be. And if that's the story you want to tell. You want to be the example in your family of what not to do, what not to be. Just keep going down the path you're going, stepping outside of God's boundaries, stepping outside of the lines that God has laid out for you. So now I want to shift gears because I've stood up here and I'm, a, you know, you're thinking if you've come for the first time, or you haven't been in church a lot. See, this is what I thought we come to church. He tell us what we can't do. All right. So I'm going to shift gears on you for a second. It's all balances together. It's all balanced together. There is a difference between a mess and creativity. There is a monstrous difference between a mess and creativity. So we know that God doesn't want to make a, us to make a mess of our lives. We've, we've laid that out clearly. God does not want to make a me, us to make a mess of our lives, but God loves it when we are creative. He absolutely loves it. He loves it when we are creative. When we think he wants us, he, he created us to be creative, to be thoughtful, to think outside of the box. He, he wants us to do that. He wants, he wants certain chapters of our lives to capture the imagination and inspire the soul. He wants you to do things that are like so, so outrageous and so crazy. And people look at you and go, what are you, what, what, is, what are you doing? What is that? It's, that's nuts. You know, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to do those nutty things. He wants you to do those creative things. He wants you to do those outside of the box things. And when God wants you to do that, what he does is he doesn't give you the piece of paper with the, with, with, you know, that picture on it. There's no, there's no guidelines where he wants you to stay within. He gives you a blank piece of paper. In that case, he says, I want you to be creative. I'm going to give you this blank piece of paper. I want you that. I want you to draw on. And I, that's, and I, I just want you to, I want you, I want you, I'm saying to you, go for it. He's saying, think, dream, imagine. He's giving that blank piece of paper. He's saying, you know, I don't care if no one's ever done it before. I don't care if you've never heard anyone think of this before. This is what I'm calling you to do. It may sound crazy. It may sound nutty. But you know what? You're creating my image. And I just like to do those kinds of things. I want you to be creative with me. So I want you to draw outside the lines. He wants you to, he wants you to create, if you will, on that blank canvas, what he's put in your heart. The vision that he's put in your heart. He wants you to be that visionary. See, God loves it when he, when we use our gifts. He loves it when he, when we use our gifts to, to motivate other people, to, to fight injustice and to build his kingdom. He's, he's given us all kinds of amazing gifts and talents and abilities and he wants us to use those to build his kingdom. Think about it. David did not fight Goliath the way everybody else would have done it. We talked about this a couple of times, even in the last couple of weeks. David didn't fight Goliath the way everybody else would have done it. Think about this. God didn't say, let's see, chapter, well, here's how you fight Goliath. You've got to put on a helmet, and then you put on this thing, and you put on the, and you put your, and you can't move right, but don't worry. He didn't say that. He created David specifically. David was amazing, right, with a sling. 
You know, you could, when, when you were an expert with a sling, you could knock birds flying from the air with a sling. You could shoot it over the length of a football field and hit someone the length of a football field. It was amazing. So David had this, and David fought bears with this, and he fought, he fought lions with this. And Goliath, is, Goliath expecting David to do exactly what everybody else would do, come down all dressed up, right? Goliath was unprepared. He was ticked off, actually. But David did exactly what God created him to do. He walked down there with his sling and basically took care of business. The only time he used a sword was to cut Goliath's head off with his sword. That's the difference. God wants us to be that way. God wants us, God wants us to be creative, right? God loves it when you're unorthodox. God loves our church. I guarantee he gets such a kick out of Grace Chapel because we're so unorthodox. Marketplace ministry and business trees and doing all this kind of stuff. People come in here and scratch their heads and like, what on earth is that? God absolutely loves that because we're using so many gifts and talents and abilities and marketing and, and, and sales and all kinds of stuff in, in, that most churches don't use. People come in, they have all these skills and gifts and talents, or whatever else in business. No one ever uses them. He loves it when you're creative. He loves it when you're unorthodox. God wants us to think of ways to impact the world. Blank slate, blank canvas. He wants us to do it. See, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying here is, we can be the person, balance here, bring it to, we can be the person that God created us to be, unorthodox, creative, you know what I mean? Outside the box, and be obedient to him at the same time. And people get confused with that, Right? If it's not sinful, it's right. Say it again. If it's not sinful, it's right. So you can use whatever God has given you. Correct. You can use whatever God has given you. I can be creative. I can be unorthodox. I can think outside of the box. At the same time, I can be obedient to God. That's what he wants. So I can sing for the glory of God. I can dance to the glory of God. I can act to the glory of God. I can play a sport to the glory of God. I can be in business to the glory of God. I can be in science to the glory of God. I can do my parenting to the glory of God. I can do all those things to the glory of God. God wants us to use our creativity. He wants us to use our uniqueness to make this world a better place. Now you may be thinking, you know what? I understand exactly what you're saying, pastor, but you have to understand up until this point, I have, I have really messed up my story. My story has been a mess so far. I got it. I really do. I totally understand that. So I want to close out our time this morning by changing gears just one more time, one more time, and talk this morning about how Jesus can clean up your messes. Okay? Because you're saying, I made a mess of it. Uh, we're going to this new, new series about my story. I don't have a story to tell. That's why we're doing it. Because if, you know, some of you may not have a story to tell. Some of you do, and you want to enhance that story, and you want to add to that story, and you want to glorify God through your story. And some of you this morning are saying, no, I just, I've messed things up, and my my story's a mess. Well, there are times in our lives, my friends, listen to me, we all make mistakes. There are times in our lives where we are all going to fall short. But the great thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ is that when we mess up, he fixes it. When we color outside of the lines, okay, he erases it. That's what Jesus Christ does. You got the coloring. You made all kinds of mess. Jesus has a big eraser, and he erases all of that. 
That's why, that's why when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, he can fix all those mess ups. It's kind of like, you remember when you were younger, I, I use this analogy all the time, but I, I just like it. But when you were younger and you're playing ball and you either hit the ball in the tree or kick the ball and it gets stuck in the tree, what do you yell? Everybody remember that? Do over. Thank you. Do over. That's what Jesus offers us, a do-over. In John three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Romans ten nine says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, listen to these words, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Purify us. His sacrifice, his blood covers over our mess. We become a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. That's the great thing about being a Christian. The thing I love about being a Christian, no matter how many times I make a mess of my life, he forgives me. You think that's, you no, know, see, you, you say that, but that's, that is true. That is gospel truth. No matter how many times you mess up your life, he will forgive you. That's what is called amazing grace. No matter how far off the path you have strayed, you are welcomed back. All you need to do is ask. But before you ask, you need to have that relationship with him. So I want you to bow your heads with me as we close here. I want you to bow your heads with me. See, here's the thing. Each of us is telling a story with our lives. And some are stumbling through life with no clear direction. That may be you. You're stumbling through life with no real clear direction. Our story doesn't make any sense. We're here. We're there. We're everywhere. We keep falling into pits and, you know, trying to climb over mountains that we we can't climb without the Lord. And then others feel like they have a direction, but the direction you're going is not the direction that God has called you to go. You you think you're scooting right along your business or whatever else, but that may not be the direction that God wants you to go. Certainly without him, it's not the direction he wants you to go. See, you're off the path that he's designed for you. God is not the author right now of your story. You have a story, but he's not, the, he's, not, he's not the author, if you will. You're not allowing him to be the author of your story. So it's time to let him start writing a story worth telling. And that starts with a simple but eternally significant prayer. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love it if you would pray this prayer with me. If that's the desire of your heart, if you want God to tell your story, if you want God to be the author of your story, if you want a story that can be told generation after generation, if you want your life to be lived in such a way that you honor God and impact the lives of people around you, then then you need to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. So pray this simple prayer with me. Just say it to yourself, if that's that's your desire. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save me from my sins. I acknowledge that I'm not living my life for you. I ask that you would forgive me for my sin. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I do believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead.
And I want him to be the Lord of my life. Lord, I want you to start writing my story. I want you to please fill me with your spirit. Guide me day to day. And God, Father, with the little I know, help me to start living for you. I may not know a lot, Lord, spiritually, but I know enough to know that I need you. I love you. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want to start living for you. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I just want you to put your hand up just for a moment, then put it back down. Just to acknowledge that's the decision you made. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. With your heads bowed, I just want to say one more thing. Some of you, some of you need to change the direction of your life. You, you need to put your, pat, your, your feet back on the right path. You you need to regain the righteous balance that you once had. You were once walking with the Lord. You had that righteous balance. You were, you were being creative and you were living for, but you were living for him. You were obedient to him. Just take, a, just take 30 seconds or a minute and just take a few moments and ask him to help you right now. Ask him to help you to get back into balance, to get back on the right path. Our Father, we, we just ask that you would help us to stay on the, on the straight path. Lord, that you would use our creativity, our ingenuity, our uniqueness, our unorthodox style to impact the world around us for your glory. And God, we, we ask that you would prepare us now as we go into this new series next week, that God, we would not come alone, that we would invite people who may not know you, people who've been off the path for many years and may not have a church home, that we have the courage to invite them next week to this new series, Lord God, to put those signs up in our yard, Lord God, and to just use that opportunity to share the love of your Jesus Christ, your son, Jesus Christ, with those around us. We praise you for all that you're doing in our lives. And we thank you for those who've given their lives to Christ, even this morning in Jesus name. Amen. Have a great, great week.